He doesn't understand that he's the one who has the power to stop it. He simply can't imagine that one little boy could be that important. Is it really me? Maybe he doesn't know what he has to do! What do I have to do? He has to give me a new name. He's already chosen it. He just has to call it out. It's only a story. It's not real. I'm your host, Lauren Ash, here with Nicholas. Hey! Hey, everybody! (laughs) I don't know why I became a carnival barker there for a second. Like, hey, everybody, come down, come down, see the spectacle! Exactly, see the spectacle. (laughs) What will we tell? What will we show? Furidashi Pod, here to tell you what We're not showing anything. (laughs) No, we're not showing anything. Well, we will eventually, actually, uh, thank you. So, thank you all for listening and supporting us for these many years, of which there have been two. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to have <laughs> which there has been two, many two many years. years. <laughs> These many two years. Uh, I actually did want to mention that we will be uh, putting more of our snippets onto YouTube as well for the episodes and also for Patreon. So please go ahead and like subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And already get a lot of content that Nicholas has gone from our streaming days um, to past games that yep. we've played and other Let's Plays. So yep. please look forward to that. Now on to today's episode. Um, I have been super excited to be talking about something that I love, which is narrative and mainly how that narrative is delivered into the game. But as Nicholas and I were chatting about what we wanted to talk about, we realized that we have talked a lot about systems. We've talked a lot about narrative delivery, where narrative gets played in the game, when it's uh, given to the user, how it gets told to the user. But we really haven't talked about what... (laughs) what What is is narrative what is a story (laughs) Lauren? what is a story what is narrative what are these things um if you were here with us on our uh patreon episode you remember that i shamelessly took this from an amazing person named cat manning um who described the story as what the player hears and sees in the game and narrative is what or how that right story is delivered in the game um, yes. She had said that way better than me, and I know that I quoted myself way better on Patreon. So if you yeah, aren't you a did. Patreon subscriber, please go subscribe right now and listen to our previous episode. Um, but for yeah, today, if you, if, if you want articulate Lauren, you have to pay. Um, we're we're very yeah. sorry. We're so sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. I I absolutely love I love the thing about our podcast is that we're always exactly ourselves, and they're yes. very quirky. Yeah. And our energy levels, like humans, definitely frequent uh, during some episodes where we're higher energy and more articulate and other episodes where we're not. But just like any good voice actor, the mood has to match the subject matter. And so <laughs> tying this right back into on today's episode, right. uh, I really want to talk about what exactly story is, or rather yeah. maybe what it's 
and sometimes what it's not. Uh, and what actually would you consider narrative in a game? Yeah. Which the easiest answer is it depends. Huh. <laughs> the, the, the answer is it's something. Well, yeah, okay. it's there. So it's so, worth, it's no, worth remind, yeah, it's worth reminding our listeners that, that in the past, we actually have defined narrative pretty broadly because there are a lot of aspects of games that we haven't, I mean, Lauren and I kind of disagree about this, but I have been willing to concede that there are aspects of gameplay that can actually be discussed in narrative terms. Um, and so we we generally tend to take a fairly broad perspective. Right. And we take a broad perspective, right, because we do actually disagree on this issue. Yep. And I think that, like many good game developers out there, I disagree with a lot of people. And I'm <laughs> I fueled by spite and vindication. I'm, I'm kidding. No. I'm actually... I've been told I'm very nice to work with. Um, yay, go me. Uh, but I will say that it's kind of funny because that's that's the narrative that I've told myself is that I have been fueled by spite or yeah. that a lot of people disagree with me. The issue is not so much that people disagree. It's that my, gener my general definition or my generifish is what I was about to say. Yeah. Um, is that narrative is a construct of the video game itself. It is yeah. both something that the player experiences or is shown, right? Such like a cinematic, but it's also something that they do, right? Yeah. Like an interactive cutscene, a quick time event. Um, it also could be something as running through, right? It's it's the typical run out moment of a Tomb Raider game, Uncharted, right? Guardians of the Galaxy. It's the Lara Croft run through, right? Floors falling, all these scripted events are happening. And that's a very cinematic moment. But it's a not necessarily a cutscene, right? Like it's not yeah. being told to you. But what is happening, right, are a lot of story elements, right? Someone's yeah. yelling, Lara, you've got to get out of the temple. It's like you shouldn't have stolen it. Oh, but I'm a treasure hunter and I steal things. And then, you know, she's holding the thing. She almost drops it. You're running. You're picking it up. You have to press triangle really quickly. Oh, no. Now you have to press you know, circle because you have to dodge out of the way. I stupid mean, quick time events. <laughs> stupid quick time events and or just Detroit become human. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> is, Sig is Sig one. Burn, Lauren. Sig burn. <laughs> I That's the first game I actually ever platinumed, to be honest. I know you like that. I know you like I that. actually quite like that game. But yeah. uh, creator, creator aside, uh, completely condone that. Um, and <laughs> Lauren's like, <clears throat> excuse me. But... Uh, it, it, does, it is interesting, right? Because would you say that the narrative or the story of Detroit Become Human, right, is good? Would you say that the gameplay is good, right? Like that's that's yeah. kind of what, when we look at a quick time event or we look at a cinematic, what you see and hear in the game, right? It could be well, who I mean, the character is. Yeah. What the game presents to you yes. is both narrative, quote unquote, right? But is, is yeah. story, right? It's the, yeah. it's It's all of the elements of that. So this is kind of, for me at least, picking apart what those elements are, right? And yeah. for me, teasing out where narrative happens and where narrative doesn't happen but is still considered story. Well, yeah, because it's really easy to look at, say, like a visual novel and figure out what the what of the story is because it's it's literally it's right there it's on screen <laughs> it, it is it is literally displaying itself as, yeah. as you read it and now. But, but really then, quickly, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, really quickly, not to interrupt you, and I, I do apologize for that, but I want to make sure that our listeners out there who, like me, are English majors and also write, majored in creative writing and are probably going, Lauren, story has a very concrete definition in writing. 
there are all these different elements of story, how to craft the best story, how to craft it for a screenwrite or for a script versus how you would craft it in prose, a fiction novel, nonfiction. Yeah. Listen, peoples, I hear you. I am one of you. For the purposes of this, we are literally identifying what is story in the confines of the medium of video game development. Yeah. So when I say story, I am not talking about plot, like only plot, right? And I'm not yeah. just talking about uh, characters or events or acts, okay? I am talking yeah. about literally what you see and hear, read, ex- could, but not experience necessarily, yeah. in that game world. Well, I mean, in, and in, so in Nicholas, order... you're going to have to help me yeah. out here because since we disagree a lot and our de- our terms and definitions when it comes to story and narrative, especially for listeners who have their own are going to be just kind of varied, right? Okay. So yeah, I mean, something that I brought up in the Patreon episode that I want to bring up again, because it is relevant is that in narratology, which is the literary study of narrative, it's, it's, it is a thing. Um, there is this classic distinction <clears throat> between, unfortunately, the terms are French. I apologize. Histoire and récit. So histoire is the French word for story. So that's kind of the same. Um, récit is much more complicated. It's related to the word like recitation in English, but it also has a very specific meaning in French. It refers to a kind of novel that sort of draws attention to its novelness so to speak. So then this term comes to refer to sort of like how the the story presents itself. And so th- this is what Lauren is, was previously defining as narrative is, is the how of, you know, the, the story rather than sort of like the content of the story. But the reason why this becomes complicated when you're talking about video games is because, like I said, it's really easy to sort of determine what the story of a visual novel is. But let's like, what is the story of the opening sequence of Halo? And I actually thought a little bit about this recently because I've been taking notes about it, about Halo, of all things. Um, because the thing oh, is... What you study in Game Dev Academia. Because there's there's the aspect of it that is is that is the dialogue, you know, when Master Chief is thought out, and you know the scientists who are there are like, oh, Master Chief, we got to check you out, and then you do the dumb tutorial bits where you have to like move the camera around and so forth. But that's not the 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 interesting part. The interesting part is the part where you actually have to get from that sort of like test chamber to the bridge of the. Oh, I can't remember what the name of the ship is. Like the something, the something of autumn, the autumn dawn, whatever, whatever the ship is called. I don't remember. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm the so last you, person to know. you have to get to the bridge because the the captain is going to hand Cortana over to you, and you have to protect Cortana, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that sequence from like the movement from uh, the the chamber where you're thought out to the bridge, there is actually very little dialogue. And yet it has a fairly clear story. And the story is, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, an escape or like high space thing. But the way in which it progresses you through a series of chambers almost to me feels kind of like the way in which, say, in animation, you lay out storyboards. Like I could imagine storyboarding that, but I couldn't necessarily imagine writing that. And so for video games, Oftentimes, especially since you're talking about like visual elements, sound elements, and all sorts of other things, it's almost better to think of story in terms of storyboarding rather than in terms of, say, like plotting or a script, I think, personally. I I tend to agree with that because I think whenever you're looking for video games as like a translation from screenwriting, a lot of times when you're in narrative design, they're asking for a script, 
right, of yeah. like a cinematic or how would you write this? And a lot of times my answer to that is I wouldn't. Yeah. Not because the writing would be bad, but because if I wrote it, it would be more prosy, right? And if I tried to give prose to a storyboard artist, they'd ask me what's happening and be like, well, did you read the doc? And they're like, yeah, I read it, but I don't get what's happening. Because at the end of the day, you are making a visual experience that the player is going to, like you said, be walking through. Yeah. So I think that, well, walking or running or, or fighting, like whatever. Yeah, just verb, doing, doing shit in. Like there, there, is a, there is a volume shit. in which they are in. <laughs> They're doing there is a, it is. There is a volume yeah. in which they are in. And the volume yeah. will change, right, depending on the story yeah. that yeah. you're trying to tell. And I think that's where I start to get frustrated is that in Halo, right, the story is what is happening through that moment. Right? Yeah. You're experiencing, say, the narrative of Halo is not the story, right? Like the narrative of Halo was very different. Yeah. Um, but I can actually do this in a few sentences, but and really only with this game that I hope our listeners have either semi, semi understood or know of, which is Half Life Two, and that the half story of Half Life Two is actually never really good. I have never, never heard, heard of it. it. No. What, whatever this game is, this whatever this game indie, is, this random indie game that you have chosen. <laughs> um, Half Life Two story, everybody understands. But I think what's interesting is that if I was to go to a game world and be like, "How is the narrative in Half Life 2? they would say there is none. Not that there isn't story. They would say yeah. that well, there is no narrative wrapper to Half Life Two. Everything that happens happens in the game. There's no narrative. And what they mean is there's no journal. There's no logbook. There's no yeah sticker book for collect all the characters and get to read about them in the codex and like in mass effect right there's no relationships there's no reputation meter there's yeah. no tr there's no real cut between gameplay like gameplay cinematic and super big cine because there's no big cine budget right yeah. so they're going well there's no cinematic there's no you know QT QTEs that they're they're technically are but they're cleverly hidden yeah. um because there's no button prompts, right, on the screen. Yeah. There's no UI. So they're like, there's no narrative. Oh, but I loved the story. <laughs> and I think that, for me, is what you're, you're, I hope helps you understand and articulate that divide, that divide, right, between Estoire yeah. and right with C. I see, yeah. R-E-C-I-T. -E Estoire and Reci. Yeah. And trying. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak French. And I think that the story, right, what, what you're doing, um, Maybe not even so much why you're doing it, but what you're doing in that moment, right? Whether or not yeah. there is dialogue, that's all just a part of of the story, those elements, that storyboarding, right? That sequence of events that kind of gets you through. And yeah. narrative can help tell that story. Narrative can also hurt that story. Okay, give me an example of that. Give me an example of a situation in which, even if it's a hypothetical one, where like the narrative could actually like get in the way of the storytelling process? Well, I think the biggest way narrative gets in the way of the storytelling process, and this is why systems designers love me and sometimes cinematic people hate me, is that <laughs> I think cutscenes largely get in the way of story sometimes. Because whenever you have a narrative yeah. moment between two characters and you just save someone's life on the battlefield from dying, and then it cuts to them lurching over in pain in a cutscene, emotionally groveling on the floor and you went dude you were at full health uh and i saved your butt and i just gave you two potions and you literally just used up all my reserves i have no more skill points and you're lying on the floor dying we, we were just we just went through this now the game is showing you something different right 
Yeah. Then, and that's the narrative that's now hurting the story of you overcoming this boss, right? Yeah. Um, now, that's not the same as, say, a narrative gimmick that happens frequently in single player games where nothing we're doing works. His health just won't go down. <laughs> that Whatever is annoying. will we do? <laughs> yeah. Right? That's also hurting the story of you being an amazing and incredible team of heroes trying to defeat a villain when you're just mashing your buttons in a game, right? That's the net seat because that's the, oh, I, yeah, right, well, I'm, I, <laughs> like, does that make sense? I think the problem that you're identifying there is, is really boils down to the fact that it's a, that it's a gimmick. It's that instead of, cause you know, you could think of a way in which you could structure a boss encounter where you still feel like you're making progress against the boss, but it's going to lead into certain like, they don't necessarily have to be cutscenes, but they could be sort of like breaks in the encounter. Yeah. Um, and I'm not and, saying I mean, that's actually yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. I think for me, like, the I, reason, I, I actually the do think is... it is. I actually do think it is kind of a bad thing if it's done poorly. You have to be very deft. Yeah. With it has like how you yes. handle it. No, the reason, the, the issue is that when you ask me to say, how does narrative harm, right, a story, yeah. is that narrative can also, whenever narrative helps the story, you almost don't even recognize that it's helping because yeah. when you maybe you are getting the codex entry in No Man's Sky about something, yeah. And as you start exploring more and more planets, and you realize that all of these different things that you've discovered can now be used to create something else, yeah. You're recognizing that the story of you being a lone adventurer in the world, I guess, like going into and create like, because it's actually it's proc gen narrative, I guess. Like, so I'm yeah. kind of getting like uh, caught up in my own details, but basically yeah. the story I've never. I played No Man's Sky very briefly, and so I did not resonate with the story or with like the overall like narrative yeah. as I was trying to experience it. But basically, yeah. when you're on your first planet, right, you build enough parts for the ship, and you go and you explore, and you find other people's planets and stuff. Yeah. Like the narrative or the the theme is like even in a world completely like alone, you are never like, or even when you are isolated, like you're never alone or whatever, right? Like there's like this grand narrative, and there's a ton of writing and a ton of history and a ton of lore. Right, that's all story, yeah. but the narrative arcs you create your for for yourself are happening because you are playing the game, right? Yeah. So I think that in this case with No Man's Sky, the narrative that you're experiencing is something that you aren't even recognizing as helping the stories that you tell for yourself within yeah. that world. Versus narrative would harm it if suddenly they started putting in cutscenes. Like randomly when they, if they started spawning NPCs or every yeah. time you saw a player, it became like, and now fight. Like that would yeah, completely I mean, destroy the story, right? Of No yeah. Man's Sky. Well, no. And, it, and it's sort of the way in which like random encounters, especially in RPGs, oftentimes get really frustrating because, you know, you're, you're, you feel like you're moving along at a particular pace. And then all of a sudden it's like a random pointless <laughs> fight. Yeah, it's, and then it's, but I mean, because the thing is, like, if the fight were motivated by some sort of like narrative element, or actually, I have a good example of this because I've, I've been recently playing this game. So I recently finished the second chapter of um, Long Gone Days, which is a very good indie game. If you haven't played it, I highly suggest it. Um, what's really interesting about that game is that it has a turn-based combat system, much like you know every other turn-based RPG on the planet. Well, with some important differences that I'm not going to get into. But the the meaningful distinction here is that there are no random encounters in that game. Every single combat encounter is narratively driven. And because it's narratively driven, it also means that the combat encounters themselves can really tax 
like your character's resources in terms of their health, in terms of their, it's called morale, which is basically their action points. And so you feel like there is this seamless integration between the combat and the narrative precisely because of the fact that it hasn't thrown in, as you were saying, like those random elements that sort of like constantly throw you out of the flow of the game. In other words, there is a more seamless transition. Um, another game that I think does a game that I think does the the cutscene well is a game that Lauren and I have played a ton of, which is Final Fantasy fourteen. I think that game actually does a really good job, especially like the pre combat cutscenes, like you know before you're going into like a really big like encounter in the main story quest. It does a really good job of sort of transitioning from like encountering the boss and then moving into the actual like fight itself, especially with the trials. So it can be done well, but you're right. It's more like if it's being thrown in haphazardly, then, and if it takes you out of whatever sort of like gameplay flow that you happen to be in, that's then when sort of, yeah, the narrative elements are kind of like screwing yeah, with the and that's Yes, exactly. And that's what I want to talk about for really identifying what the what of story is. Yeah. Because I have been playing a lot of Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yep. I really haven't played a lot of the Yakuza, Yakuza series in the past because, uh, to be completely honest, a lot of them came out when I was in under my parents' control <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to play M-rated games. And no, I also wasn't allowed to sneak them and I was kind of too busy with, I guess, life. So I was just like, you know what? It's not <laughs> worth it yeah. um, to potentially get in trouble when I have World of Warcraft that I'm addicted to. So why bother? Yeah. Um, so that's where my money went. Uh, and they didn't know that World of Warcraft was probably just as crazy as Yakuza, but not as crazy <laughs> as Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yeah. And it is a fantastic game. And it's something that really made me think differently about narrative delivery and story because of how ridiculous some of the stories are in the game and also how they're delivered and how you have to go out of your way to kind of get a cohesive story. Yeah. And in some ways, you have to use the objective system to kind of find where you need to talk to. A lot of the sub stories are not organically delivered to you versus yeah. a lot of the combat of Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is semi, uh, it's actually turn based, but in the previous titles, Yakuza is actually all combo based. Um, yeah. So it's a that was a step departure for them. It has a lot more like environmental effects. It's much more RPG. But the fights can be so difficult and so tough sometimes that you're almost rewarded with the cutscene, And I, I was trying to figure out a better way of phrasing that other than the word reward. So apologies for the pause there, I guess. But really, it's it's not because the narrative isn't really a reward in Yakuza so much as a, like the relief and the like the joy after overcoming the battle. And yeah. some of the battles that are really tough are really tough. Like you end up having to kind of escape out of them, hopefully have a previous save, like always be saving. And it's like, always be selling, always be saving. <laughs> always be saving. <laughs> always be saving. Uh, hopefully you have that previous save. And if you don't, like, you're totally screwed. Um, because then you go, you level up, you come back. And then it feels like, oh, this is still really difficult, even though I, like, you know, got all my levels and got all my gear to this place. Now that I've defeated the boss, I am so excited to see, right, that pre-cut scene and that post-cut scene, right? The... I can skip through the pre-cut scene because I've seen this many times. Yes, you're going to kick my butt. Yes, you totally did. I'm, But no, no I'm going to actually get you this time. Okay, <laughs> now I finally got you. Ha, wallow in your, your pity. And I, I really enjoyed that off and on kind of banter when normally I would 
in some some cases, like I would talk about Yakuza and be like, oh, there's just way too many cutscenes. I felt like 10 hours of cutscenes. And then I was like, oh, this really helped set up the emotional resonance of all of the characters that I had to fight later on. Yeah. Oh, this really set up a bunch of plot and story that honestly, I didn't think that I would ever actually see again. Like I had no idea why you showed me this scene. Oh, yeah. this sub story is unlocking game mm. mechanics that I can use in these fights that will make me more powerful that feeds into the story of um, of Ichiban being super, super powerful. Oh, but that's the narrative, right? Is that the narr- now the story of him being powerful and him just like running headfirst in situations is now me just being headfirst running into situations because I know <laughs> that I can just like break dance my way through this combat encounter because apparently I can be a break dancer because yeah, my character, yeah. what yeah. they've told me is that he just does whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. So I can do whatever the fuck. I- like you see, like it all interweaves now that you're going... Lauren, are you talking about narrative delivery because you're talking about the cutscenes and the sub stories? Are you talking about the story well, no, because you're not shown to you? Yeah, like there's a so lot. So I, I want to I highlight something that you that you said and sort of like break it down a little bit because when you were talking about sort of like the the difficulty of like certain encounters and you like some of the fights are really really hard and you you have to come back like. So when you're thinking about the way in which sort of like, you know, a narrative is structured, you usually you you can have like rising tension and you can have falling tension. And so the thing is, when you're talking about the subjective reaction to a story, like, you know, you can't. One of the things that really sort of annoys me about like, you know, a lot of sort of like Japanese media is that like there's always ever escalating odds. It's like this but like and this one is more powerful than the previous one. And this one is more but like it just keeps getting it's more attention as it goes along. And it's and it's and it's at some point you need to have the release from that. And so what Lauren was pointing out is that like her I guess you could say satisfaction in finally getting like that cutscene at the you know the end of a of a difficult fight is it's not that it's the reward, it's that the release. In other words, it it's not interrupting the sort of the gameplay flow precisely because it actually is following a sort of natural storytelling cycle where you have rising yes. tension and then you're recognizing the cutscene then acts as the falling tension. So that way you can go back to sort of like rising. It's this, you know, it's, it's like a sinusoidal wave instead of constantly being like at a hundred percent you know you go down to 50 back up to 80 maybe back down to 20 yes and so okay. you have you have the roller coaster ride of the narrative which is a what it's not a how it's a what because it sort of understands that like there are going to be certain subjective reactions to various elements in the sequence and you need to sequence them correctly or yes. in a particular way in order to have particular effects Sorry, I'm just like cheering him over here because like this is actually the best. That was a really great way of articulating kind of the problem that I I was ident- identifying. Yeah. I'm just tripping over my words today. Thank you all for being here. <laughs> and for me, when you think about great narrative design, narrative design has those two aspects. It has story and it has gameplay, right? Yeah. And what we re- have to recognize is that story and gameplay match when the gameplay pacing and the storytelling pacing, right, are kind of... I'm not trying to say synonymous, but they're paced adequately enough to where when you have the really tense battle, right, narrative, narratively, the story itself is also, right, a tense moment. It doesn't make sense to have an incredible boss battle, but then, like, it's not actually the boss question mark right (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean that would it would feel really weird if you're like man this enemy is super super tough like i don't understand now 
Lauren. But <laughs> there are lots of tough enemies in games where they're all bosses. I mean, I could think of lots of things called souls. Oh. And exactly. Oh. No, that's actually a really, that is not a topic we're going to get into today because that is way no. too deep. Yep. And that is going to be more like combat as narrative, right? Yep. And also what is storytelling, right? And what is pacing when the narrative itself is the, the, the story that you tell yourself is the like, blah, 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 blah. It's just going to keep going. It's a long sentence. So for yeah. now, we're going to back up from that. But I'm going to recognize those of you listeners were like, but Lauren, every enemy is a boss in Bloodborne. And I'm like, why? Yes. At least for well, me. Okay, every actually, I, well, that's the so. thing is, but there are other games that have every enemy as a boss as a trope. In fact, games that preceded the, the Souls games. Um, if we talk about Shadow of Colossus, I am going to. Where are you going to okay, talk okay, about there's no, there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no example. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I do this sometimes in the real world, and I apologize. Nicholas, come back to the podcast. Room. What could you ever be referencing? Please let us know. I m- may be referencing a game called Show of Claws. <laughs> okay, but- because he's going to reference it. No, please actually do reference it, because it's, this is quite a... It it is actually it, it's good. I'm so, so sorry. okay. So so Shadow of Coloss- Shadow of the Colossus is is a game in which you you f- you fight. It's weird because you both like traverse and fight them at the same yes, time. Yeah. It, it's not quite as simple as like it's just a boss battle. But there is a sequence of I believe there's seven of them total in the game, and they're all like these titanic colossi. They're they're colossal figures, and you as the tiny little hero dude have to essentially like climb up as you fight them. And like, that's the entire level. So it's like the entire levels, quote unquote, is this boss battle. But the boss battle has varying structures, varying stages. And like, as I said, varying things that you have to do. And in that situation, like, but it still is a very straightforward, like narrative structure, because you begin at the bottom of the Colossus and you move up it as you fight and then when you vanquish it, it collapses to the ground. And so you can literally see in the motion, like up and down the Colossus, like that rising and falling tension because you climb up the Colossus, yeah. the Colossus falls down, you move on to the next one and it keeps doing that. And this is what's really exciting is that I would consider that a lot of narrative, like yeah. the pacing, the structure, because the story is so much in the player's hands and the player's experience for how they deliver and how they tell their narrative. Like they're controlling what they see. They're controlling all of it within that player driven experience that the story they tell themselves. And even I think when you encounter the certain Colossus, right? Like I don't, is it in order or is it, you can actually do them out of order. I don't remember. I haven't played that game in forever. I believe it's in order. I think it may be, even if it is in order, you can't really storyboard, right? A player's experience like you can in Shadow of the Colossus, like you could storyboard, right? The opening of Halo. And I think that's the key difference, right? Is that what you see and hear is in the designer's hands in Halo. And what you see and feel right? And or and hear and like understand and experience is in your hands, right? That story that you're telling is in your hands as the player in Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. And so the narrative, right, that all comes together is the narrative really has to be strong. The world building, the pacing of the level itself becomes the game. But yeah. in both instances, the narrative is still good, right? The story still exists. It's just two different 
ways of what that story actually is, whether it is a single player, heavily scripted, bespoke moment, or whether it is completely in the player's hands and it is a more open-ended and user-driven experience. And I think actually that's probably a really great place to stop for this week because we have sort of arrived at the arrival point. <laughs> we, are, we are at the way station now. And so we I want to thank the station. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you all for listening and remind you that if you want to hear more on this particular topic, because we'll be doing an even deeper dive into this massive ocean <laughs> of narrative and storytelling. Um, you can subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash dashi. It's $5 a month to get the bonus episodes. We also have a $15 a month tier where you get access to our Discord and even more content. And you can communicate directly with Lauren and myself. If you want to, I don't know, take pot shots at us on Twitter. Uh, we have the the podcast page, sorry, podcast Twitter, which is Foodie Dashi Pod. Uh, Lauren is the Lauren Ash. I am Academicality. Um, and that is all for this week. And we hope to hear from you or see you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>